0: Welcome to another installment of the PharmaForum podcast. My name is Dominic Tyre and I'm PharmaForum's Creative and Editorial Director. For episode 26, I spoke with David Solomon, a 30-year life sciences industry veteran who recently took up the position of CEO at Paris-based biopharma company Farnext. We discussed biotech trends in the era of COVID, including the use of AI and big data in drug development with a focus on hard-to-treat neurodegenerative diseases. We also looked at Pharma Next's progress to date in its mission to develop novel therapeutics for orphan and common neurodegenerative diseases. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other instalments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharmaforum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharmaforum. David, welcome to the PharmaFora podcast. Thank you. If I could ask you to give a quick introduction to yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm David Horn Solomon. I'm the uh, new CEO of, of Farnext, a Euronext company uh, based in Paris and listed in Paris. And I'm delighted to, uh, to be here to tell you about Farnext. Uh, I've been a public company CEO for about 15 years. I started my career as a medical academic at Columbia University was then a venture capitalist and uh, have been CEO of companies uh, following that. And uh, it's what I love to do most, to add value to really exciting assets and uh, get new medicines to patients and their
0: caregivers. And we're, we're going to talk a bit bit more in uh, detail about Farnext um, later on in this episode. But could you give us tell us a little bit about the company? You, you joined in, in April, didn't you?
1: I joined uh, towards the end of April, correct. And
0: I, I was particularly excited by...
1: The idea of leading a platform to product play where the platform is using uh, artificial intelligence and big data to discover combinations of medicines uh, that together can address disease and, uh, and modify disease significantly. Our first medicine that we call PXT-3003 uh, derives from that platform and has actually already shown to be a promising therapy for Charcot-Marie-Tooth disorder, which is a disease, a uh, neurologic disease. Uh, that is a debilitating disease beginning in adolescence that results in many patients uh, ending up in wheelchairs. And we believe that our medicine has uh, effective features to uh, modify disease and help these patients and their families.
0: We'll certainly come back to talk more about uh, Pharnix later on in this, this episode. But in terms of your own career, you've got 30-year uh, or so experience within across the, the life sciences uh, industry. I'd be really interested to get your thoughts on what really big biotech trends that you've you've observed during your career to date?
1: Well, I think as you see more and more, you know, people trained in biomedical sciences being involved in the business of biotech, you really see excellent science being translated ultimately to products to medicines. And obviously, we've seen a revolution uh, through antibody medicines, new biologics in terms of innovation leading the way in uh, in in developing new medicines that help in scores of diseases and really address uh, a lot of unmet need. And I think in all those companies, those have been investable opportunities by really talented investors who understand how to manage risk. So you've really brought together two universes in the last 20 years, innovation in in academic medicine on one hand, and and investors that are clever enough to um, figure out how to manage risk and put money to work on innovation. And that's resulted in just dozens and dozens of new and exciting products and major advances across many diseases.
0: It certainly seems that, um, say from my experience reporting on on biotech and the the pharmaceutical industry, that it's that combination of of, of the business and the science that's perhaps really powering the biotech sector at, at, at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that the number of terrific companies, now numbering public companies, um, you know, in Europe, in America, et cetera, in the thousands, means that there are, you know, a huge amount of innovation, many opportunities for good investors, and lots of ability for companies to get the right capital to drive value uh, in their programs. The ultimate beneficiaries are patients and caregivers. So, you know, this revolution started off early with the companies like Amgen, Biogen, Genentech, but, you know, now we have just scores of uh, terrific companies all working in very specified areas and we see uh the result being you know new new and innovative medicines as i said including what farnext is doing which is treating rare diseases uh and that heretofore had no therapy whatsoever so those diseases now are all addressable and uh it's the marriage of great science and great investing acumen in the maturity of biotech now that has really uh resulted in uh in this revolution
0: and another uh aspects of, of biotech I'd, I'd like to get to your, your thoughts on are, are how COVID-19, the, how the, the current pandemic is affecting the sector. It seems it really seems like everything on the podcast at the moment is uh, reverting to COVID-19 and how it's how it's affecting things inevitably given how uh, in, in, important and, and wide-ranging the effects are. But in terms of the biotech sector, how do you see the sector being, being in, impacted by the pandemic?
1: Well, it's focused us all on first what we can do to contribute um, to public health during this pandemic and obviously companies that have been are able to you know come up with solutions like vaccines uh, we should all be cheering for those solutions because that will obviously help in the longer term in the the, you know er, earlier mid phases it's understanding which medicines can modify the viral life cycle so fortunately there's been lots of research to date on uh, corona like viruses and their life cycle their path of physiology and uh, through uh, many good investigations we now know how medicines as simple as dexamethasone and other more more specified antiviral medicines can modify the life cycle of the virus and be effective therapies obviously we're still uh, at our infancy and in understanding uh, the disease and therefore contact tracing and a lot of public health initiatives are still the mainstay of how we prevent the spread of the disease and morbidity and mortality but obviously, biotech has really stepped up here, and I think people acknowledge that you know that the heart, the spirit, the passion of biotech is is here to contribute. We'll ultimately see how we can come up with um, better medicines, including vaccines, to treat not only this type of virus but other similar viruses. I think everyone agrees that you know viral pandemics like this are here to stay. They've been with us in the past, from the plague through cholera, through uh, other other diseases like SARS and now COVID-19. And now it's a question of how we can plan well for the future.
0: Mm-hmm. As, a, as a company looking at, at Farnext, you're, you're speaking to me, of course, from, from Paris uh, today. What sort of effects has it had on, on your company?
1: Well, we've we've obviously been m- much more mindful of how we work. And fortunately, as we're doing this podcast now with uh, terrific technology, we've been able to use different ways of video conferencing that are familiar to all of us to, to have proper meetings and develop a new culture and a new way of working together, a new way of adding value. And I don't think it's necessarily been bad. I think it's actually focused us on how to use our time and how to use our energy and our passion as biotech innovators, uh, applying this new technology to still advance our products uh, and and also raise money. And so uh, uh, it's just a matter of being shapeshifters, of finding new ways to work and new ways to add value and be enthusiasts, all mindful that we have to develop a new culture around all the COVID rules.
0: From there on to uh, AI and, and big data in, in drug development, drug development seems to be one of the areas at the forefront of how biotech sector and, and pharma can, can use um, artificial intelligence. And it's clearly something that's foundational to, to Farnext. What would you say the combination of, of AI and big data brings to drug development?
1: Well, you know, heretofore we always just thought about druggable targets, and so we looked at diseases and we looked at the pathways that we knew as, as good biologists that are affected in these in these different diseases, and we would just look at which targets we could identify, which were druggable, and then we'd begin our journey through uh, in silica and then in vitro and then uh, in vivo experiments in animals through the through the human clinical trial experience, and what. AI and big data really allows us to do is start to think about how can we bring new predictive ideas through AI and big data that are unexpected and unanticipated. As we all know, you know many diseases uh, have elements of what we call polypharmacology. There might be a specific genetic lesion or hit in a disease, but ultimately different pathways or signal transduction pathways are uh, adversely affected. And if we can start to modify those pathways not with one single medicine, but multiple precision medicines, then we might be able to find new equilibrium and new homeostasis to return to health or cure the disease. And AI can allow us to come up with these predictive combinations, if you will, within polypharmacology, we call it pleotherapy, where we can use combination of medicines in unexpected and unanticipated ways. And that's exactly what we've done in charcot Mary tooth Each of the medicines alone doesn't modify the disease, but in unexpected and unanticipated ways, our triple combination actually um, provides benefit to patients, as we've earlier demonstrated, and will hopefully demonstrate in ongoing phase three pivotal studies. And so that's where AI can really make a difference. It can take our focus away from singular pathways to new and exciting vistas where combinations of medicines can
0: add value that we didn't anticipate before. And when, when we say that it's, we're looking at the, talking about the combination of AI and, and big data, what big data in, in particular d- is used within within this to um, enhance drug development?
1: Well, we start with GWAS or you know um, genome wide data where we can look at you know associated pathways uh, through genetics that may be perturbed in a in a in a disease that has some genetic predisposition like. Charcot-Marie-Tooth. Charcot-Marie-Tooth, as you may know, uh, has uh, in, in form 1A, tooth 1A, a duplication of a gene called PMP22, a myelin gene, and by understanding what happens in the myelin pathway and therefore what happens um, in electrical pop- propagation of signals from nerve cells to muscle, uh, how this disease progresses. And thereby, by understanding those pathways, we can start to think of what big data can bring to understanding a range of different pathways and a range of different targets and therefore medicines. And then AI can bring the idea of the unexpected combinations that normally you couldn't predict only with big data alone. So it is very powerful and it brings new ideas that heretofore weren't uh, obvious, if you will, to biologists studying these diseases earlier.
0: And in, in terms of, uh, as you mentioned, charcot Merry tooth a, a rare inherited neurological disorder, of course, uh, and when we look at rare diseases, there's, there's so much um, un, unmet need across the, a, a massive spectrum of, of different types of conditions. Uh, would you see this combination of AI and big data being able to have particular applications within the rare disease space?
1: Rare disease is a good place to showcase combinations where there's no available therapy because you can be sort of a first mover in an important disease where patients and their families suffer terribly, like in charcomary tooth, where patients are diagnosed at age 14 and some by age 30, 40 are in wheelchairs. And if you can modify that disease and that downhill slope, then it's an enormous benefit to society, to patients and to their caregivers and families. Of course, we believe the approach of AI and big data is applicable uh, to many common diseases as well. We're very interested in diseases like pre-diabetes even, where um, we could predict genetically who may be at risk and therefore not only by good advice by physicians like diet and exercise and, and, and other medicines, but we might be able to come up with a range of uh, combination medicines that could retard the onset of diabetes, and maintain patients in good health. So it's not only applicable to rare diseases, although that's where we're working, but we hope in the future that our approach of pleotherapy using AI and big data can ultimately benefit diseases that affect uh, millions of patients around the world.
0: If you were to look to, to the future, where, where do you see this combination of, of AI and, and big data in, in drug development um, going next?
1: Well, I think it's um, in, in the first instance, it's taking existing medicines that work and work well but albeit not completely and adding maybe other medicines to them for example that are novel novel new molecules as we call them new chemical entities or NCEs, that might uh, be safe and well tolerated together with existing medicines that could provide perhaps a complete uh, therapy or cure of the disease and we think that's a, an exciting place to go because those combinations might be unexpected and unanticipated and our work could bring new, uh, new predictions to what those medicines could be and then we can conduct those clinical trials rapidly You know, and bring new ideas. And so we're very focused on that. We're very focused on even some other rare, rare diseases. For example, it could be diseases like myasthenia gravis that affect muscle contraction and fatigue in a lot of patients. It doesn't affect uh, how long you live, but patients with myasthenia gravis really do suffer terribly uh, every day. And we think that uh, new, new innovative combinations, a- including adding to existing medicines, could provide uh, terrific ther- therapeutic optionality to patients and their families.
0: And so, just rounding out this episode of the, the Pharma Forum podcast, what do you have next planned at FarNext? You've been there for nearly six months or so. What What does the next six months, the next the next year or so, look like for, for yourselves at FarNext?
1: Well, the, the proof that our AI and big data approach is real is will come through the validation of uh, hopefully getting uh, our first medicine, PXT-3003, approved in charcoal maritime. So we're right now laser-focused on uh, conducting a terrific Phase three study globally, ultimately filing that for a new drug application with the FDA and with uh, other regulators. And so we just recently hired uh, Dr. Adrian Hepner, who came to us from Eagle Pharmaceuticals in the U.S., and uh, was recently joined just two weeks ago, and will lead the effort uh, in the clinic with PXT3003 and the development of also new, new assets in our, in our pipeline. And so with Adrian joining with uh, a fine management team, we're very focused now on deploying our capital and our human resources to uh, launching this new phase three trial in uh, the first quarter of, of two, 2021 next year, uh, progressing it rapidly, filing it for uh, a new drug application at FDA. So that's gonna be the first focus of our efforts and we're excited to do that and we have high hopes that our earlier promising phase three data can be translated into a definitive study that results in in approval.
0: Well, it certainly sounds like it's uh, an exciting time for yourself and and your company far next. David, thank you very much for joining me on the Pharma Forum podcast. Yes, thanks for your time. That concludes episode 26 of the Pharma Forum podcast and my discussion with Farnext David Solomon about biotech trends in the era of COVID. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast, and information about other instalments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website to sign up for daily or weekly email pharmaceutical news and analysis bulletins and follow us on Twitter where we are at PharmaForum.